Coming up on this week's show, J. Scott Coatsworth talks about his new novel, The Stark Divide. Plus, we unveil a terrific new giveaway just in time for the holidays. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 110 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKanaus.com. This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support the show in just a few minutes. Well, here we are. Here we are. Another week, another podcast episode. Yay! You've got some news. Wigger 3 finished this week. Yay! First draft is done. Uh, rolling right into the editing because it's it's due on December 1st. So that'll be where I spend the next few weeks working on that. But yeah, it's done. Yay. Good. I was pleased that, because uh, I keep talking about how the dictation is up to my word count. Mm-hmm. I did in nine writing days in November, I managed to generate just under 20,000 words, like 19,500. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really excited about that. And so far I've, done i've edited six and a half chapters and it's not too bad cleaning up the dictation so far so yay good news i'm excited about that yeah there was there's lots of news bouncing around this week um well fill us in fill us in uh the kindle celebrated its 10-year anniversary uh which is pretty amazing a it doesn't feel like it's been 10 years Mm -hmm. since the kindle rolled out and uh Wow, I can't. I, I have a hard time remembering not reading a book on a tablet anymore. <laughs> Even though I still really love physical books and will occasionally read physical books, um, but it revolutionized, of course, everything because uh, it, it really helped so many writers have a way to get their work out when uh, Amazon opened KDP. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a, I think a year after the Kindle came out, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, happy birthday, Kindle. Yeah. Um, I remember buying our first Kindle. It was several hundred dollars. It was. Um, uh, but well worth it. Uh, got to read uh, and experience a lot of great books that I wouldn't have been to otherwise. And um, congratulations to uh, Amazon, Kindle, and the industry itself that was revolutionized by uh, this one technological advancement. Yeah, it's pretty epic. I remember that we were hesitant to buy a Kindle, too. Like, I think we bought our parents' Kindles before we bought our own. No. Because we were so into physicals. No, no. We no, we had one. We did? Yeah, All right. We tried it out. I'll take your word for that. Yeah. Um, Audible also had big news this week as they launched a subscription program called the Audible Romance Package. Mm-hmm. This is very much like you might have with, like, Netflix or with Kindle Unlimited if you subscribe into those. Um Gives you access to, they say, thousands of romance titles uh, for a flat rate. It's $6.95 for Audible members or $14.95 if you're not a member. And you get to choose categories, character types, story themes. Uh, I think it's interesting that they've given this access to uh, Take Me to the Good Parts, where you can shuttle right off to the first meeting, the first kiss, the proposal, trouble spots, etc., and a number of gay romance titles are in here also. There is an LGBT category uh, amongst the categories. And I've seen uh, I've seen books from Z.A. Maxfield, Serena Bowen, 
Mary Calmay, Andrew Gray. Uh, Dreamspinner does have some of their older titles in as this gets going. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this grows um, over time. And of course, not a surprise they would pick Romance to do this the first time with because Romance is such a ginormous category. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to Audible. If anybody out there does the Audible program, we'd love to hear from you because we have not taken the plunge on that quite yet. Uh, but if you're doing it or you do pick up doing it, drop us a line. We'd like to know how it kind of works and how some of those things like get to the good parts uh, mm-hmm. works for your reading experience. Now, as we mentioned in the opening of this week's episode, we've got a brand new paperback giveaway to talk about. Ta-da! We're going to be giving away three paperbacks from P.D. Singer's Mountain Series. Uh, And it's worth noting that this will be for our U.S. listeners only. Now, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday to get your chance to win. And the giveaway runs through Sunday, December 9th. Yes. Uh, we'll have a little more information on this giveaway later in the show. Indeed, we will. Mm-hmm. So, uh, also, we would like to thank and welcome our newest patron, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the family. Hi, Rachel. Now, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. And for as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay for the costs of producing and distributing this podcast. And for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. And all patrons also have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly to them. Now, any month that we have pledges that cover our monthly production costs, we'll produce a bonus episode, especially for our patrons, and we'll be recording the November bonus uh, imminently. Yes, right after we're done with this episode. Exactly. Now, you can get all the details on how to become a patron at our Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Your favorite new YA hero has arrived with Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, the first book in the Codename Winger series. At 16, Theo Reese is the youngest agent for tactical operational support. His way with computers makes him invaluable. He designs new gadgets, helps agents, including his parents, in the field, and works to keep the TOS network safe. But when a hacker breaches the system TOS uses to track agents, Theo is put to the test like never before. Thrust from behind the safety of his desk, Theo must go into the field to put a stop to the hack. He's scared, but resolved because one of the missing agents is his father. And just to make it more interesting, he has to keep everything a secret from his boyfriend and teammates. Can Theo get the job done, save his dad, and make things good with his boyfriend? Find out in Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, available in ebook and paperback from Harmony Inc. Press. Amazon.com, and other online retailers. So last week, we brought ourselves out of a reading drought, as it were, Mm -hmm. with several reviews. And this week, you have several more. It's like you've had books just raining all over you or something. (laughs) I'm soaking wet in literature. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, I think November has become my unofficial catch-up month. Mm. Not not catch-up the condiment, but... (laughs) Catching up with uh, all of my reading, uh, trying to whittle down that TBR pile before the end of the year. The first book I want to talk about is a holiday novella called Hot Mall Santa by A.J. Truman. Now, 
Uh, Hot Mall Santa obviously takes place during the holidays, and our hero is Tom. Uh, he works at the decor store, which is a sort of a... It's a... It's essentially uh, like Pier 1. Okay. Imagine, imagine an upscale decor store uh, in a mall. Uh, and that's where he has been slaving away the last couple of years. Uh, and he has got a crush on his store manager. And he keeps trying to push for the assistant manager position. Because he does all the work of an assistant manager. This year during the holidays, the mall decides to go non-traditional with its choice of Santa Claus. And they hire a hot, muscled stud to sit in Santa Claus's village and uh, mm. um, <laughs> take take uh, take all gift requests from young and old alike. Uh, now, Hot Mall Santa catches everyone uh, everyone's attention, uh, including Tom's. Uh, they meet, uh, they say hi once or twice. They run into one another, and they actually uh, end up having lunch together. There's a secret, abandoned um, security office with a two-way window that overlooks the food court. That's Tom's sort of secret lunch spot. Uh, and one day he goes up to the abandoned office and finds Hot Mall Santa there. Uh, so they eat their lunch together, and they actually have a pleasant conversation, and they get to know one another. Nice. And Tom begins to realize there is actually a lot going on underneath all those good looks and sexy muscles. Uh, and they continue to know one another and get to uh, run into one another during the holidays. And in fact, after one uh, incredibly busy day, they actually run into one another at a, a rundown old gay bar. And they talk and they flirt and they end up going home to one, with, with one another. Uh, and so then begins their fantastic holiday affair. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, in between, uh, bouts of shopper fatigue, they, they continue to know one another, uh, uh, Randall, which is Hot Mall Santa's name, uh, becomes a local celebrity, the, the local news picks up on all the long lines that are happening at the mall to visit Hot Santa, and, um, um, I really, really enjoyed this book. Not only is it fun and sexy, which are sort of trademarks of uh, A.J. Truman's style, um, I thought it was really genuine and interesting how they sort of, over the course of the book, our two heroes kind of really genuinely get to know one another. Uh, and Tom learns about um, Randall's slightly difficult history he's kind of a vagabond he just kind of goes from one place to another mm. he's a young guy kind of in search of himself uh and this santa gig is really just one stop on his sort of never-ending adventure so they have to come to grips with the idea that once the holiday season is over their time together is most likely going to be over because randall's gonna move on um, of course, uh, he doesn't. <laughs> they end up getting together uh, with a happy holiday ending. So I really recommend Hot Mall Santa. I really enjoyed it an awful lot. Nice. The next book I want to talk about is Line in the Sand, which is the second book in the Herx Merks series by Ari McKay. Now, a couple of months ago, I reviewed the first book in this series, and I loved that book to pieces. 
uh, my opinion of the second book is identical. Um, God, I really love this book. Okay, Line in the Sand is about Alec. He is the bodyguard. And he is tasked to guard the attractive body of John, who is a popular actor. Um, uh, Alec uh, begins his assignment uh, on Broadway, where John is wrapping up a production of Macbeth. Uh, he then follows John to uh, a convention and a movie premiere. John is finds himself suddenly famous because a movie that he starred in last year suddenly took off uh, unexpectedly. Uh, and they hence shot the sequel, and they kind of go the rounds doing publicity for this new picture. So through... All of that, they, of course, get to know one another. They're instantly attracted to one another, but um, John, I mean, sorry, Alec is a professional, and he tries to keep things very, very professional, but that's very hard because John is so very attractive and so very charming. Um, so while they're on a break from the uh, publicity for this new movie, uh, John goes on a little mini vacation uh, to a jungle resort, and they kind of, um, kind of relax a little bit, decompress before they head to Europe for the next leg of the promotion. And they go on a uh, river kayak uh, tour. Trip? Tour, yes. <laughs> uh, they they hop in a kayak and go uh, uh, go on the river, uh, but unexpectedly there is some weather, and they are washed downstream by this sudden storm surge. Uh, and they're left stranded in the middle of the Central American jungle. And it's um, Alex's job to get them out alive. Uh, John falls gravely ill. And it's at this point, um, we've got a lot of hurt comfort themes going on. It's, <laughs> it, it's at this point that Alec realizes that his feelings for John are certainly far more than professional. Uh, and if they get out of the situation alive, he's going to make sure that they make every moment count. Um, eventually, they are, of course, rescued, uh, and John recovers, and they live uh, happily ever after, which isn't giving anything away. This is a romance novel. <laughs> so um, I highly recommend this second book in the Herx Merck series, uh, Line in the Sand. I really, really enjoy it. I love this series so much so far. Uh, I can't wait to read the other ones nice so maybe in a couple of months uh another book will be uh coming your way okay and i think i need to read that series too because it's really it sounds it's so really, good <laughs> really really good i like it a whole lot um okay so the next book i want to talk about is call me by your name uh the book by andre Osman. it is the uh gay lit novel uh, now, some of you probably know, you certainly know, that I avoid literary fiction like the plague. Mm -hmm. I hate it to pieces. Uh, but I decided to give this book a try because the movie uh, that was based on this particular book is coming out this holiday season. And I wanted to check it out and see what was what. So, Call Me By Your Name is essentially the story of Elio, our young protagonist, uh, his parents are academics, and they live in this house uh, in a small Italian village. And every year, they uh, invite um, they invite uh, a student or uh, 
um, I can't think of another word, uh, a, a, like a visiting professor or something to come do a residency uh, in their in their house. Uh, so they can work on, you know, whatever their dissertation or their manuscript or whatever. So this year, this summer, um, a handsome a guy from the U.S. named Oliver uh, has come to work on his book. Uh, he also is getting pieces of it translated. Uh, uh, he works with a translator that's in the village nearby. And uh, Elio, uh, Elio is immediately taken with Oliver um, because he's so uh, intelligent and attractive. And though there's about uh, a seven-year age gap between them, um, they're intellectually equals because hmm. Elio has grown up in this, you know, uh, highly literary intellectual environment. They, they, his parents essentially have, you know, salons where, where <laughs> local academics come and they talk and, you know, drink grappa and they talk about, you know, philosophy and all sorts of crap like that. Anyway, so, uh, Elio is really book smart, uh, but emotionally, um, he's working through an awful lot trying to understand his, uh, new obsession for this man that kind of comes into their life. Mm -hmm. um, the book is told uh, in first-person narrative, uh, and it's essentially Elio's stream of consciousness over the summer, what he's thinking and what he's doing with um, this handsome new visitor. Um, so when it comes to literary fiction, your mileage may vary. Um, I was... Ugh, I vacillated back and forth between loving this book and hating it to pieces. Because um, occasionally you got to wade through an awful lot of gobbledygook. Um, the sort of like masturbatory stuff that they would... Not the good kind of masturbation. The sort of literary <laughs> masturbation that would be discussed in, you know, college classes about the... The, the lyricism of the prose, that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of that to get through, but underneath all of that junk, um, there's a pretty decent story. Um, there are little interesting vignettes about um, Elio and Oliver and how they interact over the summer. Um, they eventually um, do get together, and it's about uh, the romance in the, in the final days before Oliver has to leave. I mean, this... this their time together is finite. Um, uh, once the summer ends, the story moves forward and it kind of briefly covers um, their lives as individuals and how their paths diverge. Uh, and at the end of the book, uh, they come back together. The story essentially comes full circle when Oliver returns to the uh, Italian villa uh, about 20 years later. Hmm. And they kind of see, you know, what their lives have become. So I thought this book was okay. I am still looking forward to the movie. Um, uh, James Ivory of Merchant Ivory uh, is the one who wrote the screenplay for Call Me By Your Name. Uh, and he is kind of an expert at taking literary fiction and turning it into compelling narrative set in beautiful uh, English and European locations. That's sort of his jam. Um, <laughs> remember Mer the Merchant Ivory uh, uh, movies back in the, the 80s, the mm -hmm. Ian Forrester adaptations. Um, so I'm still looking forward to this movie, despite my sort of like, eh, 
feelings for the book itself. So Call Me By Your Name by Andre Asselman. Uh, give it a try if you want. <laughs> That's my recommendation. <laughs> That's a three-star review, I think. Kind of. Maybe yeah. two Maybe two and a half. Eh, we'll, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I also uh, did a book this week. Uh, I stepped away from LGBT literature for a moment and uh, listened to the new John Green book called Turtles All the Way Down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, oh, wait. Before you go on. Well, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. One last thing. I did listen to Call Me By Your Name on audiobook. It is read by Army Hammer, one of the stars of the film. Uh, I do recommend that. I thought Army did a really nice job. Cool. Okay, now continue. Okay. You So you were listening to the new John Green book. Yes. That's where we left off. And uh, it's interesting because I really loved Fault on Your... Fault of... Fault... Huh. Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> That's blah, it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and I love his collaboration with David Levithon with Will Grayson, Will Grayson. And yet, I've never read other John Green books despite owning them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those things you have a TBR that's longer than you can deal with. Yep. Uh, but I jumped on Turtles because it's the follow-up to Fault, and let's see what John's going to do now. Uh, it's extraordinary, and it really broadens out I, I felt that fault in our stars was really kind of a, uh, a a tightly done story that really focused on hazel and and gus and yep. their yeah. and their illness and finding each other um turtles has a much i think i feel like a broader palette that it's working with uh your central character is asa a 16 year old uh high school student uh, we also have her best friend, Daisy, who is a hoot. Reminds me a little bit of Heather from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> she and writes Star Wars fanfic and uh, is generally... The, she's the adventurous one and Asa's a little more on the reserve side. Um, Asa's also dealing with... Uh, she lost her father several years back. Um, and she's never quite recovered from that. She She keeps his cell phone. So she can flip through the photos on it, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite the fact that they've all been downloaded um, to the family computer now, she it, it's his phone and it's and she needs that phone. Um, she lives with some sort of a mental condition. Um, she always feels like she's got this tightening little spiral of thoughts going on in her head uh, that just pull her from being in a good place and having a good time with people too. It's essentially, um, without giving too much, I don't want to give away the story itself, but think of like, you know, you left the stove on at home. No, you really left the stove on at home. You really need to go look and make sure you didn't leave the stove on. Um, Those kind of things pick at her brain all the time, and it's usually something to do with her physical health Mm -hmm. uh, that she's dealing with. Um, At the same time, uh, there's this mystery of a disappeared uh, millionaire businessman that's happened. And Asa happens to know the son of that businessman because they both went to what she terms sad camp uh, years ago because he lost his mother the same around the same time that she'd lost her father. Um, and so she resumes this friendship with Davis because initially they're trying to figure out what happened to the father because there's a reward. And, and Daisy kind of pushes her out to do that. But as she gets to reconnect with Davis and know his younger brother, Noah, uh, she really can't push too hard to, to solve that mystery because of what it will mean to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just, there's so many things here with Asa dealing with uh, trying to control her, her, 
her mental condition so that she can, because she really wants to have a good time. She really wants to, to be Davis's girlfriend, potentially, and to know him. But yet every time they kind of pull close, she's pulled away by this, by this anxiety that she's got. Um, I'm not doing all this a lot of justice because I also don't want to take away the some of the twists and turns in this book. Um, but it's I, I'm just I was blown away by how uh, John Green constructed how he wrote her, especially Ace's conversations with her inner demons. Uh, the the audiobook is narrated by Kate Rudd. And she did an amazing job of tweaking Ace's voice just enough for her inner voice to be kind of this like scary voice that's coming after her uh, to get her to do things. And the mystery that goes on with the businessman and trying to sort that out and uh, just how Asa tries to navigate maybe having a relationship with Davis and, and Daisy going off and maybe having a boyfriend. Um, I'm babbling. I will leave you with the fact that this book truly blew me away. Um, it has all of the feels that Fault did because um, mm -hmm. you will laugh and you will sob and you will feel you will feel everything for Asa and what she's going through in her life. Um, it's really a tremendous book. And I think, you know, John Green has proven once again that he is he's truly a master of of YA fiction that digs deep in the reality of teenagers. So he's not writing, you know, teenagers that are in the Hunger Games or dealing with vampires or even secret agents like what I write. He's writing the, the teenager that could live next door to you mm -hmm. and what they're going through in their particular life. So I highly recommend it. The audiobook is awesome. Kate Rudd, big thumbs up for both. She does a great job with all of the characters. Uh, and I in particularly love Daisy. Um, she just comes across with such a buoyant personality that it was it was very cool. So, thumbs up to that. Cool. Yeah. So a little music talk. Okay. Because we don't we haven't done that in a long time. Because neither one of us buys a lot of music. That's very true. <laughs> uh, Kelly Clarkson has come out uh, in the last couple of weeks with a tremendous album called Meaning of Life. Uh, it's it's I found it like she was channeling a little bit of Christina Aguilera in some of the arrangements, which I liked a lot because that kind of music, I think really lends itself to Kelly's big voice and what she can do with it. Um, and it's also very kind of rock soul. I think I would call it, uh, in what it, in, in the, in the song selections. So she really gets to kind of rock and wail on some of these songs. And I loved it. Um, I've been listening to it on and off over the past couple of weeks as I got it and just loved it to pieces. What did you think of it? Because we've had, we've had one listen to it together. I've only managed to listen to it a couple of times. I was listening to it last weekend while we were putting up some Christmas decor. Yes, we put it up early. Um, so uh, I I don't know if I... Here's the thing. I don't think I experience music the way most people do. <laughs> I very, very seldom listen to lyrics. It's really hmm. more about the energy and the tempo of the song that I get into. Um, so that's sort of my thing. Uh, that being said, I really enjoyed what I listened to. Um, it will probably take a couple of more listens 
like conscious listens Mm -hmm. for me to kind of get what the you know album is about or what you know the individual songs are like trying to you know quote unquote say so um yeah but i i love kelly clarkson to pieces i always have uh and i really enjoy this album what i've listened to uh so far yeah cool the other one i want to mention is another an album by uh I believe his name is Kyle Rabico. I think it's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, I talked about him a while back on the podcast because he had an album out called Backrack Reimagined, where he took a lot of Burt Backrack songs and kind of restructured the arrangement into a very acoustical, kind of jazzy thing, and I loved it to death. Uh, he's got a new album out called now Richard Rogers Reimagined, and he takes a lot of Richard Rogers show tunes and does the same kind of tweak to them. Um, He's got such the voice for these songs as well, because he is uh, musically theater trained. Um, His take on my favorite things from Sound of Music has a bit of a rock guitar vibe in it, which is really an interesting take on it. And uh, his Blue Moon and My Funny Valentine, I found completely like just enchanting and kind of otherworldly almost because of the, the way that he slowed them down. So highly recommend that. I'll find some nice links for YouTube for both Kelly's album and for Kyle's. Cool. So that we can give our listeners a little sample out there. Awesome. And of course, Kelly's also been mentoring The Voice recently too, which was awesome. I think she's going to be a great coach mm-hmm. uh, coming up in season 14 in the in the, in the winter. Um, they're headed to, to um, the lives a uh, week after next. So the week of Thanksgiving, they'll start doing the lives uh, for The Voice and... I'm really into Noah Mack. I hope he survives the knockouts or the playoffs or whatever it's called that's happening this week. Uh, his hold back the river, I loved it. His low notes are just the most some of the most awesome things I've heard in songs lately. Um, Ezra Tuolo? Ezra Tuolo, who uh, gained fame a couple of years ago. He uh, came out after his time on the time in the NFL. Um, and he has been nailing it every single uh, performance so far mm-hmm. this season on The Voice. I really, really like him. Yeah, I, ho- I hope he survives playoffs, too. And uh, Chloe uh, Kwansky, I think is her last name, she crushed it with a version of Fleetwood Mac's Landslide a couple weeks ago. So she's also one of my one of my top favorites to, to get through. Um, have you been feeling about The Voice this, this, this season? I'm very, very positive about this season. Last year, I felt the energy was a little low. The talent certainly wasn't. Uh, as always, uh, the the people who made it to the lives were all, every single one of them were per- perfectly spectacular. But I felt the energy from the judges and from the show itself was sort of like, kind of lagging a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel the energy was, you know, as... Uh, pumped up and mm-hmm. as high as it should be. Uh, the energy has returned, I think, this season. I think Jennifer Hudson had a lot to do with that, too. Je- Jennifer Hudson and Miley Cyrus are, are back, uh, and they certainly uh, gave the show a, a well-needed uh, injection of life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not that Blake and Adam aren't perfectly lovely. They're <laughs> lovely every single season, but I think this season has uh, rebounded uh, and is incredible, a lot of awful lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hiking through the woods in search of the perfect Christmas tree, sipping homemade hot cocoa in front of a crackling fire, enjoying the company of gathered friends and loved ones. 
It's definitely the most wonderful time of year, and we've got the books that will keep you turning pages on those long winter nights. Announcing the Big Gay Fiction Podcast's Happy Holiday Paperback Giveaway. We're giving you a chance to win three terrific books from the Mountain series by author P.D. Singer. The prize pack includes paperback copies of Snow on the Mountain, Fall Down the Mountain, and Return to the Mountain. To enter, go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or visit the official giveaway page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday. If you can't get enough of stories filled with love, self-discovery, and the great outdoors, then you're not going to want to miss this. Go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday before the rafflecopter ends on Sunday, December 9th. Now, earlier this week, you had the chance to talk to J. Scott Coatesworth, a uh, friend of the podcast. Uh, boy, does he have a lot of stuff going on. Oh, my God. It's crazy. <laughs> He's got a new book out called The Stark Divide. Yeah. Um, and as we talked, we find out about that book, of course, but we find out what he's got coming up as an author over the next year. Mm-hmm. His production schedule is crazy, but then he also runs uh, Queer Sci-Fi, Queer Romance, Inc., mm-hmm. and he's starting a blog tour service to help, uh, especially those in the sci-fi genre, yeah. find the right places to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's quite incredible. So let's, let's listen to Scott. Today we welcome J. Scott Coatesworth back to the podcast. Scott writes stories that subvert expectations, that seek to transform traditional sci-fi, fantasy, and contemporary worlds into something new and unexpected. Along with his husband, Mark, he also runs both Queer Sci-Fi and Queer Romance, Inc., sites designed to bring people like us together to promote and celebrate fiction that reflects our own reality. His latest book, The Stark Divide, was released in October. Welcome back, Scott. Thanks. Good to talk to you. I love that last line in your in your in, in in the intro I just did about bringing people like us together to promote and celebrate fiction that reflects our reality. That's really good. Well, thank you. It's been a big part of what I wanted to do is um, find and then promote community in the LGBT and also sci-fi community. Uh, tell us about the Stark Divide, uh, your brand new book that's just only been out a month. Sure. Well, like I said, I brought props here. Stark Divide. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. If you're um, on the video, you got to see the the very cool book cover. Oh, thank you. Um, So, yeah, this book actually has a long uh, history to it. When I first uh, was writing seriously back in my 20s, I had written a book uh, called On the Shoreless Sea. And it was about this world that was a cylinder and it was a self-contained world. um, And it was basically a generation ship going from here to someplace else. But it devolved into where it essentially was a fantasy type uh, world uh, in space. And I really loved the uh, the feeling of the story in that, but it, it went out to about 10 publishers and all of them rejected it. And that was kind of my um, swan song as an author at that time. I just kind of gave up for a long time. Um, when I came back to it seriously in 2013, 2014, I really still wanted to go back to the story. But I knew that, one, my, you know, my writing um, was not up to, to snuff anymore because I hadn't written in so long. And two, the story itself needed a lot of work. So I thought, I really don't know where this world came from, how it was created. Um, so I went back and decided to tell the story of when it first became a world, when it was first was created by mankind. And it started out with a story called Seedling, which is about this uh, giant seed that's towed out to an asteroid in space and basically starts to devour it and become the world. Uh, and there were two other stories that followed that uh, essentially became this long, epic uh, sci-fi tale told about 20, 25 years. So it, for me, it really is kind of a cool thing in that it's, it's one of my oldest projects, but it's also my newest. So it's really going back to... Um, 
what I loved to read when I was that age um, and still enjoy, um, but also what I'd started so long ago and now I'm actually kind of bringing to completion after all these years. What was your inspiration for it? When I used to read books like uh, Anne McCaffrey's Pern, um, they always had neat things like uh, The Thread, right? In this other world and the stuff comes down. And and so when I started writing sci-fi worlds, I tried to give each one a unique characteristic. So like in uh, the story that eventually became my Oberon series, it's this half world out in space. In uh, this one, I wanted to do something different. So I wanted something, a world that was going to be, again, that kind of fantasy sci-fi crossover feel. Um, but also um, it's got this... Um, bioluminescent uh, plant life that on the world. So every morning, instead of having sunlight, because you're out in the middle of a void, you have this light, this, this world lights up and then goes dark. And I didn't know why that was when I first wrote it. I just knew that was my really cool hook that I was going to use. And again, that's, that's when I went back and I figured out, oh, the whole world's alive. And that's how it comes about. But so that was kind of the inspiration was to do something that would give the world itself a unique flavor and character uh, in the story. Mm -hmm. What would you say how your writing evolved over over the time between you know when you when you stopped with with it and then picked it back up and how did the story itself change did you make a lot of changes or was it just kind of sprucing it up so to speak well i'm going to answer it two ways the, the writing itself um i really was very rusty like i said when i came back to writing so i started with short stories and kind of worked my way back up again but i had had this idea in my 30s that i really was going to not be able to be a great writer until I reached my 40s, because I would have that much more life experience behind me and things to draw on that I just didn't have when I was in my 20s. Um, but as far as the story itself, it actually isn't the original story yet, although we will get to that original story. I'm not sure if it's going to be this trilogy or if it will be after the trilogy that I'm working on, but it's a prequel. So it is all, it's an entirely new story that I wrote over the last few years. Um, but it does explain, if you know, for my two or three people that actually read that other one before I sent it off, it explains how that came about, and it sets me up um, to retell that story eventually. But I think it's going to be an entire rewrite, just right from scratch, because so much has changed, and I've got such a um, better understanding of what the world is about now mm -hmm. that I can really write it in a much different way than I could have in my 20s and, and what I did write. Mm -hmm. a, a lot more richness, I think, to it. And who are the characters that we get to meet? Uh, so there, there's a rotating cast of characters um, because it's told over these three different time periods. You have the original three characters. Uh, Colin is the uh, starship captain, and um, uh, Jackson is the engineer, and Anna is the scientist on the ship that are basically taking the seat out. Um, there's a mishap um, during that voyage, and it almost doesn't happen. Um, but as you go on, you get to see those characters move on to the next phase, and you start to see other characters come in and like the kids of those characters. And so it kind of weaves through. Um, the thing I really like about it is you, do, you get to see, kind of fast forward and see what happened to those people in the next space of time, you know, so it's in the one book, you kind of get these three different snapshots of what's going on in their lives instead of just getting the one book and then being done and then waiting for six months or a year for the next thing to come out. So that they do all kind of read together and then I had new characters as it goes. And you, you've hinted at the series and then Stark Divide is the first book in the Liminal Sky series. Right. What else is coming in that series? Is that just the first piece of this trilogy or how did, how does this all lay itself out? Yeah, there's three different books. I've, I've basically got a, uh, the second book is done now. It's out in beta. Read. So it, it does um, go forward another 15 years or so. And you see a lot of things happen. Um, part of the story revolves around uh, religion and, uh, and artificial intelligence and how those things interact and 
how something that's made by man can be divine. And so you kind of get into a little bit more of that. Um, but there's a lot that happens in the second book. Um, things really change quite a bit and set the stage for eventually getting to this point where you don't have the, the same technology in the world, although the world itself is technological. And you get to a point that it's gradually approaching more of a um, fantasy sort of basis over time. So the third book, I haven't, I've got ideas about it. I haven't plotted it all out yet, but all three of them are set up the same way where it's uh, basically three novellas strung together, three epic pieces to kind of bring the whole thing together. So I've, I've kind of, I have a, an idea where it's ending, where it's going, but I get back to that in about four or five months and that's when I'll really kind of lay everything out. Okay. Very cool. Thanks. How would you describe your process for world building? Ooh, yeah, again, a lot of it goes back to my sci-fi background. So if I'm writing romance, it tends to be more character driven. You know, I'm looking at who the characters are and how they relate and what the stories are going to be. When I'm writing stuff that's more on the sci-fi side of things, although it often still, well, up to this point, always still has queer characters, it really is driven by the plot and by the world itself. And so I really do try to kind of think of, um, you know, as a sci-fi reader, what would I like to see? What would be really cool to me to see? You know, what kinds of things projecting in the future? Um, there was a movie called uh, Her that came out a couple years ago that was about a guy that fell in love with an artificial intelligence program. And it was just so really cool to me because it was so close to now. And yet it was such a great leap forward. You could see literally how we would get from here to there in a matter of three years, five years, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so it just managed to kind of give you that really cool, this is coming kind of feeling. You know, and I love kind of playing around with those things. Nice. Now, kind of moving away from sci-fi a little bit, uh, in October, you actually brought us a, a close to your weekly series of River City Chronicles. What brought that to an end after two years of publishing weekly? <laughs> you know, I'm kind of schizophrenic. I've got my romance and contemporary side, which almost always has a little magical realism in it, although not my Christmas story. I'll talk about that later, but... Yeah, it, it's something that I'd always planned to do an arc. So I'd always planned to have a certain um, number of chapters and then come to an end. Um, I'm kind of following the Tales of the City model, Armistead Maupin did, but just for Sacramento instead of uh, San Francisco. And so when I started the story, I pretty much knew that each character had some kind of secret. And that during the course of the story, I was going to tell what those secrets were. And so by about chapter 90, 95, you get the last secret. And then things just kind of start to wrap up. So it I think when I hit about chapter 75, I had kind of plotted out at that point what all the rest of the chapters were essentially going to be. And I made a couple changes just to make sure I got in a few things that I realized I hadn't picked up on. But I knew it was going to kind of come down to that ending. So my plan now on, on the current set is to take that and do a book out of it. Um, it was translated into an Italian as I went. So I'm working to see if I can find an Italian publisher since I've already got the manuscript ready to go. And I'll probably self-pub here in the U.S. Um, and you know, put it out um, in both paperback and uh, ebook form. But I really want to try to um, target folks locally here because it is such a local story. Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many places that people reading it here will recognize. And I think um, it's just really cool to write about Sacramento. It's kind of my uh, love letter to Sacramento. Fantastic. Since you know we're, we're getting ready to move there, maybe we should just read all of River City so we know what we're getting into. Get all the recommendations in one place. <laughs> My favorite restaurants, coffee shops. Now, you just dropped a hint about a Christmas story. What, what's that about? Because we are, of course, headed right into the holiday season right now. I had a story last year that came out that was um, a sort of post-apocalyptic zombie Christmas. Um, the last two guys alive on Earth. Um, and that was fun to write. 
But this year, I really decided I wanted to do something that just totally unlike me, had no zombies, no sci-fi, no future, just a sweet contemporary, and it's a short story, short love story. Um, so I was listening to the song, um, Save the Best for Last, Vanessa Williams. Mm-hmm. And that one always like just grabs my heart, you know, like how could you um, basically be with me and tell me all the things that, that are important about you and then go back to this other person and just, you know, not be with them in that way. And that really kind of tugged something at me. So when I wrote the story, it was about two characters and one that is the one that is in love with the guy and the other guy that's with someone else and doesn't realize he's in, he's, he's in love with him. So it was fun. Um, it's set in San Diego, which is my first story there. And I just drew on, on our visits there and some of our friends for, for knowledge about the city. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to put together. Um, so it's just, it's a sweet contemporary love story. What's it called? It's called I Only Want to Be With You. And it was somewhat influenced also by reacquainting ourselves with Allie McBeal and Vonda Shepard, mm-hmm. version of that song. And yeah, it just kind of clicked. It's like, yeah, that, that's it. That's what it is. And when's that coming out? Um, that'll be out, I think it's uh, the 28th of December. They're doing a, a series of releases starting around the 1st all the way through New Year's. And okay. mine will be the okay. second to the last one. Okay. So we'll link people over to Mischief Corner so they can watch watch for that come out. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Angel Martinez has a book in there. I think there's about uh, 10 or 12 altogether. For people who want to find the zombie Christmas, where can they find that one at? Um, so that one was published last year. Um, that was in an anthology from Mr. Corner called This Wish Tonight. And it had, um, I think one was a contemporary, one was fantasy, and then mine was a sci-fi uh, kind of dystopian. So cool. that's, that's still off Mr. Corner. We'll link people to that one, too. So looking past the holidays and into next year, what, what what's coming up next for you? So I've got a lot coming up. Um, we just, of course, had Star Divide come out in October. The next one, um, after the Christmas one, will be Lander. And Lander is the sequel to Skythane in my Oberon Cycle uh, series. Um, that one is in edits. In fact, I just uh, sent back the first edits uh, about two days ago. So um, I've got the cover on that, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, if you guys have seen the um, Skythane cover, um, it's very similar to this. But it's got a um, really good-looking uh, redhead uh, space marine kind of guy. Um, and the red tones and gold tones on it, just beautiful, uh, by Ann Kane. Uh, so that's out in February. Um, the next thing that I know the date, or the essential date on, is um, the one I'm working on now, The Rising Tide, which is the Stark Divide sequel. And that'll be out in October of next year. Um, but there's also a series, it's going to be a trilogy, called uh, Marionettes in the Mist, which comes from the other serial that I was doing with Mischief Corner. And that is with uh, Tony Griffin, um, Angel Martinez, and uh, Freddie McKay. And we finished that one up um, back in the summer of this last year. So that's going to be released as a three-part uh, series, a trilogy, essentially. And that'll be sometime in 2018, but I don't know what the, the date is yet. So those are everything that I've kind of got on deck besides River City. Um, I'm going to get to the end of all this and finish the two trilogies and be like, I don't know what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pretty much like lined up right now to get through, you know. I suspect it'll come to you before you get to the end. <laughs> well, I did email Lynn today and asked her when she wanted a dream spinner, asked her when she wanted the, the um, next book in Oberon, the next book in Liminal Sky. And then I mentioned her that, you know, I will need to sit down and talk to her and figure out what to write next. And maybe it won't be a trilogy because they always tell you that trilogies don't sell. You know, the second one never sells as well as the first one, and the third one never sells as well as the second one. So it might be a standalone something. It, I don't know. I've got a lot of stuff that I could kind of go into. So things I could expand or go back to one of these and just do a one book thing or who knows. Mm -hmm. 
you you're a busy guy because I mean you've just laid out a lot of stuff coming out <laughs> on the writer side yes in 2018 but you also do you know these other sites and you you're starting up a new service as well uh, let's start with the one that I think everybody best knows you for what's new at, over at queer sci-fi I'm glad you asked <laughs> um, renewal um, so this is a third of our uh, it's a third of our contest books from the flash fiction contest is actually the fourth contest which gets kind of confusing but the very first one that we did um, it was called endings and we got 15 entries for it and so there wasn't enough at that point to even consider doing a book um, the second one was discovery the third one flight and now renewal and we basically give everybody a theme and we say you take this theme take it however you want to um, and give us a 300 word story and it needs to be um, both queer representative and it needs to also be speculative fiction. So sci-fi, fantasy, paranormal, horror. And then we um, go through them and read them and find the best ones. Um, it's gotten better every year and it's gotten more diverse every year. Um, the first year we did 15 stories. The second year we had 110. The third year we had about 167. And this last year, 207. And so just in terms of being able to select stories, you know, it's gotten better. Mm -hmm. But we've also started to see um, more stories come in. Uh, we had one intersex one this year. We had a lot of transgender stories and non-binary stories, some asexual stories. Um, so we're kind of moving beyond just the doing the male-male um, thing, although there's, there's always still a lot of that because that's a very popular part of the genre. Um, so that's the, the main first thing. Um, we also, speaking of intersex, we had a really cool uh, discussion yesterday on the site where uh, one of our authors came in and just gave a, a talk about what intersex is and what it isn't. As a writer, you know, if you're going to write an intersex character, what to write about, how, how it kind of works. Um, and that's going to be up on the site and in the form of a PDF um, sometime probably next week for people who want to, just if you want to read it as a writer, if you're just curious about what intersex people are, are like, you know, how that comes about. Um, and the last thing, of course, I find um, that I want to highlight is um, Ben Brock has been uh, working on our reviewing side uh, for a long time. But he's now pulling together a reviewing uh, group of uh, folks that is going to be taking a lot more requests. And uh, so we should have a big review program in place in the next uh, couple weeks. And so if you want to or anybody else out there who's a writer wants to submit uh, books that fall under the queer speculative fiction umbrella, if you go to queersci-fi.com and click on reviews, there's a form right there you can submit that. And it'll get added to our queue for the viewers to pick up. So that's kind of our, what we're, we're working on right now. <laughs> is Renewal out now for folks? <laughs> Yeah, Renewal came out um, about a month and a half ago. Okay. Uh, it's in ebook format. It's also in a regular paperback. And then this one is um, really cool because there's a color one that has all the illustrations in just gorgeous color. Oh, amazing. And the illustrators on those, I always forget one of them. So um, it's Rebecca Marie, uh, Mila May, who did the cover last week, last time for Flight, and uh, Gus Lee. And Gus did the cover this time as well. Now, when we talked to you back in February, at the Dreams Fitter Conference, uh, we were chatting about Queer Romance, Inc., mm -hmm. which had just been on the cusp of, you know, getting out there into the world at that point. How's that gone now that you're some, you know, almost 10 months into it? It's going really well. We just passed a 2,000 bookmark on the site. Um, Queer Romance, Inc., for those who don't know, is basically a, a site. Um, it was our reaction to the fall of ARE, and ARE closed um, all romance ebooks, closed in December last year. Um, but we didn't want to tackle the sales and the royalties part of it. We just, with Mark and I, there's just no way we could do that kind of thing for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of authors and that many books. So we decided to make a site that just made it really easy to find exactly what you want in queer romance and, and books that feature queer characters. 
Um, so that's what we focus on. It's um, got a lot of filters, ways to kind of get down to books, a lot of different uh, breakdowns on the, on the titles. Um, we're almost up to 500 authors, probably hit that uh, this month. Um, and we're seeing between uh, 13 and 20,000 visitors a month, which is good, but I want to see that continue to go up. So we're, the next thing we're working on um, is to make the site more sticky, basically, if it's you know, webmaster term or SEO term, I guess. Um, have reasons for readers to come back to the site again and again and again. Like on Facebook, you know, you're always going in to check your messages and you know, see if anybody's liked your stuff. And so we're going to try to build in some more uh, reader um, interaction with the site without doing uh, reviews because we found on Goodreads, for instance, Goodreads is a fantastic resource. Um, it's a very broad resource in terms of what they cover, but authors are scared to go on there because the reviews can just be so, you know, difficult to read. So, you know, so we decided from the get-go that we weren't going to do reviews on the site because there's enough other places to get that. But we do want to make uh, it easier for readers to come in and use the site and maybe mark books they like, uh, put a TBR pile together, that kind of thing. Nice. So that's the piece of it that we're working on. Cool. And, you know, again, as if you don't do enough already, you're also now, you know, in a soft launch phase on a blog tour uh, service as well for authors. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we wanted to get more into author services. We kind of started with with uh, Quiromance Inc. And I've done tours now for a couple of years, both for myself and for some friends of mine. Um, and it just seemed like a, a natural way to go, especially given that there's not uh, any blog tour company out there that I'm aware of that really gets into the sci-fi fantasy side of things specifically. Um, it's not all that we're going to do. We're going to also just do general romance stuff. Um, but we are going to have a specialty with, with working with uh, sci-fi blogs and trying to get stuff out there. Beyond this, this really warm, fuzzy um, community that we have here in the, the queer romance and you know, MM and FF, et cetera, romance community, but really try to start pushing out into the mainstream uh, sci-fi community as well. So that's kind of the, the thing that makes us unique, I think, among other sides, because there are there's at least three or four really good blog tour companies that I know of that are working in the, the romance space already. Um, but we thought we could offer something a little bit different as well. Now, for people who might want to check that out, uh, what's the what's the URL for that one? Sure, it's uh, Other Worlds Inc. I N K, like queer romance Inc. I N K. It's kind of our new brand thing. Um, dot com. Cool. We'll definitely link up to that in the show notes so that uh, the authors in the audience can go check that out. Cool. Yeah, we just did a soft launch. We're doing a one tour for an author uh, right now. Is test out this, the site and the service, and we've got a couple more uh, tours that we're going to be doing in uh, tandem with each other. Because ultimately, we want to do you know multiple tours each week. So once we get past those, then we'll throw it open and start taking uh, general tours from, from authors. But we're still kind of making sure we have all the processes down, and um, we're getting people set up in different mailing lists depending on uh, what kind of book you're you're selling. Is it a romance? Is it not a romance? You know, is it a genre book, etc. So we can really um, try to target a bit where it's going so that folks don't get hit up, you know, just with everything that's not relevant to them. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So what's the best way to keep up with you online as as the author, Scott? <laughs> well, you can find me at uh, jscottcoatsworth.com. Really easy. I'm on Facebook also. I've got a Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash jscottcoatsworth. And then Twitter, because Twitter doesn't like having long things. Um, I could only fit J.S. Coatsworth, but it's Twitter at jscoatsworth.com. Sorry, just J.S. Coatsworth. Oh. <laughs> you know, find me, and then you can get to the other ones from there. All right. Well, we'll link up to all those in the show notes along with uh, the new book and everything else we talked about. Right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little bit today. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah, now you know Scott Coatsworth is a busy guy. <laughs> no doubts about that. <laughs> 
But yeah, it was good to talk to him. As always. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Mm -hmm. Coming up next week in episode 111, Charlie Cochet will be here to talk about her new book in the Thirds series, which comes out next week. Yes. I'm actually finally reading the first book in the third series. Mm -hmm. I'm only 10 books behind. (laughs) Um, And I'm wondering why I wasn't on this bandwagon sooner, frankly. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, looking forward to talking to her. Awesome. So guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter if you have a book. Until next time, guys, keep turning those pages, and above all, keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.